0: Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of PonderVision, an MCU discussion podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Ashby, and I'm once again joined by my marvellous co-host, Ash Jefferson. Hello. How you doing?
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think my brain stopped functioning. Um, Good, good.
2: D-
0: <laughs> we have so you know many what?
1: things to talk
0: about. That is a fantastic way of putting it. That scream, I think, is a good way to describe how I felt. Um, I've never been so happy and immediately disappointed that a film came out in the UK first. Because oh, yeah. uh, I think there's a lot of memes about this. There's so many good memes after this film came out. But one of the ones I loved the most was... Um, and it, it sort of described how I felt having to wait a day to talk to anyone about this film and it's that little screen grab of Harry from Spider-Man 2, he goes I have nothing left <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like sitting there just really sad, not being able to talk about anything else um, yeah, we've been building up this film for ages on this show we've talked about this before, Spider-Man's my favorite Marvel character, Green Goblin's my favorite villain and they they did it They they nailed it <laughs> <laughs> I don't it know was
1: actually to... really well done, <laughs> and I don't yeah. know how to process that. But yeah,
0: I, I, I said, I think I tweeted about this. I think John Watts is the Cat in the Hat, you know, like juggling all the different objects, yeah. like the cup of tea and the, the wit, like the books. I don't know how he managed to do all of this in one film successfully. Like, I don't even think there is one element of the film like you know that wasn't that good, but I liked this. like I just loved all of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was really good.
0: Uh but luckily it's not just us uh geeking out this week. We've got four people to geek out with um now joining us to discuss Spider-Man: No Way Home are two very special guests. First up, she's an Eisner award-winning journalist and author. It's Rosie Knight. Hey, oh, Rosie. Me.
3: Hey,
4: I'm I'm good. How are you doing? It's so nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so stoked to talk about this movie more. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, I know that you, or well for me personally, the only person I could talk to on the night <laughs> it came out in the UK, so I was very grateful for that. Um, yeah, how, how did? You, what's your sort of overall thoughts on the films
4: uh, before we dive in? I just thought it was really, really good. Like, I was ready to go in. I have a lot of kind of ethical, moral quandaries with Disney, which is hilarious because literally most of my job is just writing about Disney and Warner Brothers properties, um, <laughs> but like. I was really ready to go in and just be like, "This is a cynical cash grab." Like, why are they just trying to do a watered-down version of Into the Spider Verse? But actually, I just thought it was really great. It's my favorite live-action Spider-Man movie because I think it's the most comics-accurate Spider-Man movie, and I just think that everything it, it dealt with and and the kind of all the different things it had to juggle, it just did such a brilliant job. And the stuff that I thought I wouldn't like. I ended up liking really a lot and even had a couple. Yeah. it even had a couple of moments that managed to surprise me, even though we all live in this stuff. So we kind of knew a lot of what was going to happen. So yeah, I just, I thought it was so much fun.
0: Yeah. And I I think the cynical point is really interesting because I had the exact same process. Like I look, we all grew up with these, with these older films and these characters. And for me, uh, having Alfred Molina back was really interesting. But when it was first announced that Jamie Foxx and Alfred Molina and all these people were back, I was—I I think I tweeted out um, like when you realize that Sony are just using their older movies to make a Sinister Six movie—and I put mm-hmm. the meme "brilliant but lazy." <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, do you know what? Who cares? It works. Like it's a, the way they did it, everything they did, which can be. Uh, construed as a cash grab or cynical move, I think is rooted deep within a great storytelling reason or a motive that relates to the theme. And I think,
1: yeah, they managed to take like this on the surface, like what it is is a cynical cra- cash grab, right? Like that's like undeniably that's what yeah. it is, right? But they managed to take that and make it actually have like heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which heart is I, a really, that's the that's the key to this movie. It has a law of heart. Yeah. yeah, for sure.
0: And I think it gets Spider-Man in a way that, apart from Into the Spider-Verse, really, mm-hmm. and that sort of examine- and I think what's great about Into the Spider-Verse is that it examines it from a different point of view and a different perspective, but I think what this film does is it's a really great way of delving into what makes Peter Parker, Peter Parker. And
1: Yeah, this I think is the best Tom Holland has ever been as the character. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah, it's the best Tom Holland's ever been, and it, I, it could be the best that some other people might have been as well. Um, and Zendaya just,
1: really
4: brings the Emmy winner to this. Like every, she, yeah. as yeah. MJ, she's just, there's so much texture and depth and emotion. It's just, it's a really brilliant un- ensemble cast.
0: And I think what's great as well, like you say, over the over the years, and I think this is the same with both John Watts and also with the main cast, is that. They may have been a little bit more inexperienced at the beginning of the film, but retrospectively that works in its favour, because it sort of shows their uh, their growth over the mm-hmm. films, in, in terms of John Watts as a director, because Homecoming is a very cool film, but it's not, like, uh, as directorially interesting as, say, this film, mm-hmm. and... I think that all the cast do a great job. They've obviously bonded over the years. You can it reflects in their relationship. There's a little, there's the small things as well. Like there's a scene where on the rooftop, when they're talking to Peter, when all the Peters meet and Zendaya does that little, like that, that little hug she's like, Peter, there's people to see you. I was like, this is breaking my heart. This is pretty cool. <laughs> I'm going to cry, but I'm I'm glad I'm crying. Um, but yeah, pretty good stuff. Uh, but let's introduce the final guest on tonight. He's the host of Octo Radio and the cold shiver that runs down your spine. is Auden Diaz.
5: <laughs> well, I mean, uh, the cold shiver isn't as cool as a goddamn Eisner. But you know what? I will take it. I, uh, you know, I was listening to you all talk, and I, I realized I have to throw away all my notes about Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck. I, I saw the wrong movie. <laughs> I, thought that, I thought this was the other one that was doing what this one did. Uh, strange how that worked out. I got I have multiple Ezra Millers. I got to cross those out. And, no, um, I pity that movie now. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, because yeah. oh boy, the the bar has been set. And um, to echo a little bit of what's been said already, and just sort of emphasize how much I agree with it. My biggest fear about this was that it would be the lesser Spider Verse that it mm-hmm. would try to recapture the lightning in that bottle and have sort of the hubris that I think a lot of American filmmakers and studios have, which is, well, now we're going to do it for real. Now we're going to do it in live action. Um, And it's entirely different. It is speaking to entirely different themes. Um, It has, I mean, um, at its core, it is who is Spider-Man. So that's the, that's Mm -hmm. a core theme that they share, but it, it is approaching it in such a different way. And, and like I said to you, Charlie, uh, straight out of the theater, I sent you a voice message. And the first word that comes to mind is classy. The movie is classy. Mm-hmm. Every time that it has the opportunity to give a wink and a nod or a tip of the hat to something that came before, it does it in a way where it's like, yes, that's a tip of the hat. I, I, The more I think about it, I think that Andrew and MJ, that moment of, of him catching her, it might be my favorite moment in the film. And it yeah. is absolutely a tip of the hat and a, and a send up to the Spider-Man three that never was, you know, the amazing Spider-Man three that never was. And nothing about that bothers me. Nothing about the, the, what could have been cynical. Like you were saying, it bothers me at all. It's so effective. And, and I, before I, you know, throw it back, I think that the, the MCU stuff that He has done that have been sort of the benchmarks. Like there's been like, Lots of steps, and then you know a big landmark, a milestone movie. Avengers mm-hmm. One was thought to be, you know, this astronomical task, and it was, and they succeeded. Um, and then we can have debates about Ultron all day, you know. But you know, the next benchmark would probably be your Civil War, and that mm-hmm. was to be this impossible balancing act, and they succeeded. Then Infinity War and Endgame, People have their opinions on the movies, but for the for the most part, you know, accepted as successes of wow. Now they brought in every one of their franchises. This to me is the next one of those. And despite having a, a lower character count and less um maybe expansive stuff than endgame to cover in terms of like sweeping amount of storylines, it is the weirdest of those and it had the most potential for disaster, I think. And
1: mm-hmm. for sure, yeah.
5: It's like I mean everything that could have gone wrong with this and like the amount of ways that you know just in the like thinking about you know it's already been spoken about with with these other these other spider-men like the you know i totally 100% believe that it would be sort of a contrived like well if we can bring villains through a portal why don't we bring heroes and then dr strange would be like oh great idea like <laughs> I, I, but the way that it was done of this we have we have an opportunity now to write someone's path in a way that ours didn't get righted and the way that they were distinctly at different parts of their lives a man in his 40s a man in know. his late 20s and a man in his teens like and that, that 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 was important for the journey it's just it's a beautifully done and i i echo what you have all said about we sort of have to come into these conversations like Oh yeah, Mickey Mouse! You win again. <laughs> like you did it. Congratulations! It's like Jeffrey Bezos. You did it. <laughs> uh, so, so it's like, damn,
1: damn need, that mouse. <laughs> yeah, you
5: don't. You don't need my fucking support. Yeah, you don't need my fucking support. But you got it. You know, I'm gonna watch Boba Fett in a week and a half. Like you got it. Um, so yeah, I'm over the moon about this movie.
1: I think a lot of it has to do with there is clearly a lot of respect here. Mm-hmm. For Spider Man in general, and specifically like the film history of Spider Man, one of the things that I thought was really you mentioned it earlier, Alden was uh, we're skipping around a lot here, but Peter catching MJ, Peter Three, or whatever, Andrew Garfield catching MJ,
0: <laughs> Peter Three, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was so good. Oh.
0: The, oh,
1: god, but like stuff like that, where it felt like that was like a character get because we all kind of know that like Andrew Garfield never got the chance to finish his Spider-Man trilogy mm-hmm. right and to give him somewhat of a conclusion in that I think was really good you know that the fact that they even thought about that in the first place
4: yeah I actually think that is that it's this balance that they strike where it's one of the things I like the most about it is far less precious than a lot of MCU movies like and that's really because it's a Sony movie but like a lot of the MCU stuff, when it's like endgame, there's a lot of incredible moments in there. Like I, we rewatch Cap picking up Thor's hammer so often, right? But like, it's all incredibly like sincere. Look at the things we own. It's like respect to the point of like hero worship. But what I loved about this movie is the balance between that respect and uh, narrative kind of journey of tying up these loose ends for andrew for toby getting to reconnect them with their villains getting to give closure but also an absolute fearlessness when it came to making fun of stuff like nick my husband he he always is talking he was like did a tweet about how he wanted them to do something about the web fluid right toby's web Mm -hmm. fluid. he was like they're never going to do that and then the fact that they play so into it and they have it being this controversial moment, I just think that's really cool because it's, and the way that they use Andrew's stuff is very like emo Spider-Man. So in that way, the jokes are kind of meta references to the ways that fans responded to those movies at the time. And it's that balance of like sincere respect for Spider-Man mm-hmm. while not being afraid to kind of laugh at mistakes or like weird yeah. turns in the history. And I think that actually brings a real, different tone to it that feels a lot more accessible and a lot less like that kind of corporate synergy that we all thought it might be
0: yeah and it definitely distinguishes each individual Peter Parker but by also demonstrating how they are the same in the most important aspects whether that's Uh heart and and I think you make a really great point I think when growing up one of the things I loved about Spider-Man the most is that he isn't like the other heroes I didn't yeah. always love reading Captain America books because I never really related to that that much. Like, I I can't relate to a super soldier. Um, <laughs> same with Iron Man. I'm not a billionaire. But when you read Spider-Man and you see him, like, having to catch the tube, having to, mm-hmm. like, struggle to pay pay to wash his clothes and, ju- like, eat a hot dog on top of a rooftop, you're like, I can relate to that. Like, I can yeah. relate to him taking the piss out of himself all the time, making jokes. And that's why I always love that character. And I think they do a really great job at sort of demonstrating why that works so well. And mm-hmm. I, I think retrospectively with Endgame, it makes this film shine a little bit more because mm-hmm. you're saying, yeah, the sincerity is there. But then you get Peter being like, yeah, the universe is ending, but we're going to make jokes about, can Toby, you know, mm-hmm. shoot <laughs> a web out of everywhere in his body? Yeah. yeah. And, also- and also
5: taking that... Oh, go
0: ahead, Rizzo.
4: No, 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 go for it, go for it, go for it.
0: I
5: was going to say, you know, building off of that point about where that comedy has come from, it comes from a mutual respect between the characters on screen, and therefore the respect comes across into the audience mm-hmm. because it would have been so, so, so easy to make uh, a one-upsmanship rivalry mm-hmm. between Peter and Andrew or anything like that, and and they really squash that immediately when he's like you know i like to sit on the 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 chrysler building and he goes i do empire state it's got a better view and he goes it is a really great view that could have been like a huh well like
1: i also really enjoyed the fact that like you have quote-unquote emo peter parker Mm -hmm. (laughs) being like oh i'm so lame compared to you two and then toby mcguire being like no absolutely not No, you're not going to talk about yourself that way. I
5: was get that out of your head.
1: (laughs) Nice. And he even says like, "You're amazing." Like
5: we (laughs) can't. I
4: I think as well. Like I think that that moment, that moment between Peter and Toby about the Chrysler Building versus Empire State Building, that kind of sums up the thing I like most about this film that I wasn't expecting, which is like it's actually a really kind film from the out. Like every story, whether it's a Spider-Man story or you know and many other a hero is unmasked story which is literally like every superhero but like those stories are usually that they represent like the darkest point in that hero's history and that is the case with this movie but it's not a cruel movie it's not a bleak movie like it's a movie no. where they treat everyone with kindness and it's a movie about second chances and it's a movie about redemption and a movie about mm-hmm. love and a movie that's really kind, and there's a lot of choices that they make that reflect that on small levels, on big levels. You know, the one thing that really surprised me in this movie that I didn't see coming was um, Ned, you know, and and his kind of arc, and that's another space where I feel like they could have chosen the ed- edgy dark side of Ned's comic book canon, and instead they took this really funny new kind of bit of canon. And brought yeah. that to light in like a different way, which I'm sure we'll get into later. But like, there's just a lot of choices throughout this movie that are very kind and like very yes. optimistic. And yeah. I think that's kind, That's why I think as well. This is one of those movies where people are messaging me about it, going, "Oh my god, I just got out of this movie. Like, I cannot believe uh, your review sounded so positive, but I actually like liked it even more. Like, I feel like this is the kind of movie where when I left the cinema, I just felt like on a high." Like I felt joy. Could, yeah. I couldn't stop smiling. Yeah. I
5: could not stop smiling. And I'm, I still smile thinking about those scenes and and the mm-hmm. kindness that you're speaking to, um, is, is a, cause you know, there's the, the meta text and like the, the, uh, and then the real life situation of the Sony partnership and, and the elements mm-hmm. of this that are the Sony movie. But then there's also its place in phase four of fihe's yeah. you know, epic run. And this, this idea that phase four has been the phase of reckoning and the phase of grief where all of our core heroes, especially that we've seen in this calendar year of Wanda and Sam and Mm -hmm. Bucky and, and Loki and Sylvie. And now Clint, like everybody has been facing this and Peter does now too. Um, But you know, it's impossible to not invoke star Wars when you have Mm -hmm. a group of people like this together. Um, But the, It makes me think of of Ezra Bridger of Rebels, you know, and of a show that that I know we love a lot. And it's the how we choose to fight and the fact that even, you know, in the darkest moments, the film emphasizes, no, we still made the right call to be so, um, to have that, as Dr. Strange calls it, and we'll talk about his role, uh, the ruthless calculus of the multiverse. Mm -hmm. Peter refutes that so beautifully um, through what he carries into this message. And and you hear it in profound ways, you see it in powerful ways and and you even get it in funny ways when he's like yeah you know well, we're going to go kick a lot of ass and peter's like cure a lot of ass and ned's <laughs> like oh we're going to cure that ass like <laughs> i think like
1: there's something i was thinking about this and it's not a fully formed thought so maybe you all can add to it in some way but i was thinking about loki and this and their reactions to the multiverse in the sense of like loki really does not both loki and peter really do not care about like the grand scheme of things Mm -hmm. if they can't help the people that they care about
3: Mm -hmm. like loki's
1: not loki is not in it by the end of season one to like rule the multiverse or whatever he's in it because he cares about sylvie and the same thing here is like peter's just a good person Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and if somebody doesn't have to die that's the call that he's gonna make yeah you know
0: and i think Yeah, I think we talked about this yesterday as well, the idea that, in my opinion, if it were any other character in the MCU, say it was Tony Stark, and this is a knock on those characters, but if it was Tony Stark or if it was uh, Steve Rogers... The movie would be 30 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) They would have pressed the button. Press...
4: Yeah, like the only way Steve wouldn't have pressed that button is if Bucky was one of the people who were getting sent back. But otherwise, he's Ain't pressing that, that the button. Truth. He's pressing Ain't that, that button. The truth.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah.
4: And I do think, like, I, I find that I would like to know you, you, all of your thoughts on this. But like, I find the thing most interesting about this movie is that I think after talking about this, like, yeah, Multiverse of Madness is coming next, right? But this movie essentially could not have happened between what happened with Wanda and everything that happened with Loki and then, um, you know, going into Multiverse of Madness. So, and, and with the trailer at the end of the movie, I think that kind of hints that it you don't necessarily know how connected the issues are going to be there from this. So I find it really interesting that they essentially kind of like got everyone really interested in understanding what the multiverse was thanks to 20 years of dc doing the multiverse and making it common knowledge and then marvel was like okay here's our multiverse and we're going to do this spider-man movie and this way we can bring all these characters in using the multiverse but also even though the next movie is about the multiverse we're going to close the multiverse (laughs) at the end of this movie i just find it very i'm sure that it's going to be oh somebody snuck through or the venom symbiote or whatever but like I just find it a really interesting choice. And I wonder if this movie actually came to fruition a lot later than that or long running plans for the multiverse and they kind of just slipped it in here.
5: Yeah, it could be like a happy accident situation, right? And then might be in those. Oh, go ahead, Charlie.
0: Yeah, sorry. My interpretation of it is yeah, a happy accident. Like both Wanda and Peter's exploits just happen to tangentially relate to the Mm -hmm. multiverse. Like the only reason why the multiverse is. Is like yeah. Wanda supposed... wasn't
1: like explicitly dealing
4: with yes. thing. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: There were just hints
4: at it with like the nexus and board, the dark the holes and how realities. she can
5: hear her sons through the the book yeah. and that um, perhaps she might be peeking and looking and, and she's yeah. She's
0: nexus being, so she's connecting exactly to every yeah. other Wanda.
4: And the and every reality. And and also like the they obviously whenever they were doing post on this, the choice to make the sky cracks purple, so it looks like Kang and it looks like mm. the It looks yeah. like,
1: the, it the, looks lo- like the,
4: the Loki finale. Yes, yeah, exactly. It looks that. like the, you know, the spell uh, beyond the, time or
5: the final strange spell is runes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah. that's all stuff like in post. It's like, Hey, can you reflect this look that they did in mm-hmm. WandaVision? Can you do this? and you know, with all these Doctor Strange reshoots, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if maybe there was like a mention of like I don't think it'll be uh essential to that. Like I feel like it's more I think the, it L- might that, be. I think the well, I think that it's Yes, but I think it's more likely that it's like Wanda in the Dark Hold, what happened with you know, he he who remains. And those are going to be the big connectors. But I wouldn't be surprised if Wong as Sorcerer Supreme, which, mm-hmm. congratulations. Absolutely. Congratulations, yeah, buddy. <laughs> <own sense. laughs> That's yeah, the congrats, correct point. Buddy.
3: Stephen Strange uh,
4: terrible great. Sorcerer Supreme. Which, oh, absolutely. that once again in this movie. And then he's, a like, he on a <laughs> yeah. he's like, he got
5: it out of technicality. Yeah,
1: he's
4: a
5: bum.
1: Not even a sore. He's a sore loser. I, but- I like Stephen Strange. Uh, Having a a reckoning for his bad decisions. Thank you.
3: Oh my gosh!
1: Yes, like literally, please. One hundred percent. Let me be clear. I love Stephen Strange. Doctor Strange is one of my favorite comics and MCU characters. But, (laughs) but he deserves it. Also, complete side note. I loved in the trailer just the energy of Strange walking up to Wanda, being like. And one, it's like, I know I messed up, I'm really sorry. And strange is like, Nope, not here for that. I messed up way worse than you did. I need your help.
0: Honestly, right? Like, <laughs> I thought it was very brave for Doctor Strange to straight up say, fuck them kids. <laughs> he did it. He,
5: he kind of did. Uh but honestly, like, yeah, like so I could see maybe in Multiverse of Madness a line of because they've established, you know, the Avengers characters and no one on earth really remembers Peter now. So mm-hmm. but we do know that strange and wong based on that dialogue can remember that they used the spell so maybe wong could berate him and be like you did something i can't remember the details but you did
4: something i think that the general idea is going to be because peter because nobody can remember peter strange could know that he did the spell or a spell but he's not going to know why and that exactly. But also then it goes very into what if episode four kind of territory. So I also think that there could be a whole bunch of multiversal stuff happening in that movie that we can't comprehend. Because as Sony and Disney proved with the trailers for No Way Home, they love to do a fake ADR dub in a trailer. Oh,
5: yeah. Either an um, alternate take, like yeah. the crap thing. Alternate. Crap versus uh, yeah, shit. And
4: the wink. Was ne- and you the know, wink, wink was never.
5: And in don't the cast
0: that spell.
5: Yeah, all that what, kind of.
0: Instead, stuff. it was uh,
5: leave was, me out of yeah. it. That was
0: great. Someone made a meme and it was said, uh, "Wong in the trailer, don't cast that spell, or I'll kill you." And then this is Wong in the movie, and it's just the screen grab of Toby when he's in Spider Man Two when he's eating the hot dog and doesn't. Eat <laughs> <a bit>.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's uh it's great, but yeah, I think that on the subject of Strange, you know, I I am gonna get it out of the way here. And Charlie knows my stance on this. So Ash, Rosie, if this applies to you, I say it with the utmost respect. I am cackling at Iron Man Jr. critics right now. Uh, I think that this is an, a huge, massive refutation of that. And it's that's something that I've never personally agreed with. And I think that it, and, and when I say Iron Man Jr., that also expands into the why does he need these MCU mentors mm-hmm. of, of Tony and then Fury, not Fury really Talos. And then I guess it's kind of ambiguous how much of that is real Fury. Uh, But then also, now Strange. I think that Strange, what could have been a, he's there to facilitate the plot. He's out of character. He's an idiot for doing this. He needs to know better. He was handled beautifully. And I think that he learned as much from Peter as Peter learned throughout the movie.
1: I think like the the criticism of Doctor Strange that I see a lot, and stuff like this, and this is before the movie came out, of course. It's like Strange should know better, even though in Doctor Strange and all of the MCU Strange media we've seen so far shows that he does not know better. He does not know. Like, <laughs> no. he, he's making maybe comic Strange does. Even yeah. I don't know. He's, I think, even comic Strange
4: in general, you could argue that he does not know better. He's like a very driven by arrogance kind <laughs> of guy. He's he really is making
1: kind of an arrogance
5: yes.
2: decision.
1: Yes you know.
4: Yeah.
5: He is yeah. about magic the way that Reed Richards is about science. He is <laughs> I mean, he still has that he's a better person than he was before his injuries, no doubt. But that spirit of the guy that's like give me the interesting cases, give me the interesting mm-hmm. cases. I don't want to help just anybody. Um that's still there and it's a, it's a journey and you know, he's been in his solo adventure then Ragnarok for a hot minute and then they were at war. So it's like he mm-hmm. hasn't really had time to grow. Um, and that I think reflects here. I mean, it's like, it's not unlike Tony who was sort of the other side of the coin with him. Yeah. these two arrogant guys that clashed because they are so freaking similar.
0: It's funny. Yeah. I actually got like a, sim- a different out, like an opinion of that, which is the idea that he's now too focused on the rules and the idea that, Oh yeah, the multiverse is, this very strict thing. We can't do this particular thing. So, you know, like the way he approaches the thing, like, Oh no, they have to go back to where they're from. They have to die. That's it. That's, there's no other way. That's it. And Peter's yeah. like, how, but what about no
5: <laughs> and both can be true i mean it could be like he wants to be better you know it's his conflicting nature and everything where he thinks that he can find the creative solutions to the problems which is the the core of the ending of his own movie you know is the he disrupted the natural order but it was that non solution and everything but here he's in that rock and a hard place where he's like okay i'm going to what about defy the natural order again and it has to be this way
0: so but that's definitely. Why I think- a, but that's what yeah. I think will lead into Ma- uh, Multiverse of Madness, because we're saying, like, oh, what could put... I think, obviously, the idea is that he remembers Spider-Man. He remembers his exploits of Spider-Man. He doesn't know Peter Parker and, the, like, that information. But mm. there could be some leftover where it's like, do you know, I think we ha- we can explore the multiverse or, like, help people without necessarily damaging stuff in a certain way. And obviously, he wants to help out, I guess... America Chavez in the trailer? So maybe that's... I I
4: think it actually might be the other way. I think that Mordo, or because it sounds like his voice at the beginning, where it's Mm. basically like, you have to pay for desecrating the multiverse or desecrating reality or whatever. I think Dr. Strange is going to get in trouble for whatever the spell was. And also America comes from an alternate dimension. So I think if anything, she's coming to tell him off for... for messing with the multiverse maybe her
5: life got exactly because we know that in
4: in the comics america's home world is like exploded and and kind of like and that could be something that could have come from them messing with the multiverse we don't really know the implications
5: and that's still that's mordo's whole motivation for his turn is mm -hmm. the ancient one was tapping into forces uh she should not have been and then the uh he goes and he kills Pangborn, or at least takes his magic you know is the too many sorcerers like Mm -hmm. that that still is a lingering thing so is morto gonna go after wanda is is does he need the scarlet witch to defeat morto like man all these questions about spider-man does Uh, he need
1: does he need scarlet (laughs) does he need Wanda to get america chavez back home? i'm sorry my dog is barking Um, does (laughs) he need yeah he's very excited about scarlet witch he's a big fan um uh does she need does he need a uh, Wanda to get america back home
3: yeah mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, i we don't know the thing the thing that's really exciting to me about multiverse of madness is that we don't know the, anything about the plot yeah like why is wanda involved and why is this happening and like like i i i imagine like the kids are going to be involved somehow with billy and tommy because I think we're fully like leading up to Young Avengers yeah. at this point, and a Young Avengers without Billy and Tommy is a Young Avengers I don't want. But yeah, um. I think it's it's going to be Billy and Tommy. I'm just going to be interested to see
4: how old they are, because like I feel like something they're doing that I don't love so far is like aging everyone down, apart from Kate. Um, so like Patriot even is like a young teen, you know. Uh, obviously America Chavez, who I love, uh, Social Gomez, who was in Babysitters Club, who's playing her, mm. but she's like 14.
5: Yeah. Um, so
4: I, Cassie,
5: in- Cassie's up there, but that's about it. Cassie's yeah. the twi-
1: I, I, I feel like the twins are going to get aged up. Yeah. At I feel like they're going to either be—they're te- definitely at
4: least going to be teens. But I would love to see them be older. And then, obviously, with Secret Invasion, we could get Hulkling,
1: because
4: I don't want them to de-romanticize everyone, which is kind of mm-hmm. the worry I have,
1: because it's such a queer team. Yeah. 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 Uh, but well, I, I do... think I think the unforgivable thing that you could do with any Young Avengers anything is remove the relationship of Wicked and Hulkling.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like that's the that's the one thing that I feel like if they they took it out, yeah, I'd be like, well, what's what's the point? Yeah, <laughs> you I know, not like... that like that relationship is the only good thing about Young Avengers, but it I mean, is there's, key. There's, Yes, it is an Absolutely. integral part of that story. I
4: do think that the fact that they age down America and have Kate being old is kind of very suspicious when it comes to queerness. So I'm not a huge fan, but I did also think that in Hawkeye episode five, Elena and Kate have like super chemistry. So maybe they're just gonna have different lesbians, which I'm fine with.
5: But, but I, no, I, I, I'm suspicious.
4: I, but do not, do not I, speak I that in the
5: universe.
1: You know little, it's good. Uh, you know that's a I'm good I'm a shift. little uncomfortable with the implication, like the... Uh, because Dylan is Arrow Ace in the comics, right? Mm-hmm. And if that's in the MCU, I think that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um. But Kate being queer is like something that I feel like the comics just have refused to acknowledge, even though it's. Mm-hmm. I don't know. To me, it's pretty yeah. cut and dry.
2: No, but- no. I feel
4: you. I think that that's one of those ones where it's like it's almost like Poison Ivy and Harley, where at some point Marvel will confirm what everyone else already knew. Yeah, it's like when they
1: said Tim, it's like when they said Tim Drake was bisexual. It's like, uh-huh. oh, we knew. Like
0: <laughs> everyone was
4: like, Yes, we know. we know.
0: It's annoying.
1: Exactly.
4: <laughs> yeah. But Oh boy. There's so many things and we haven't even really talked about Spider Man yet. Specifically. Yeah, good job,
0: Charlie. Where are those notes, Charlie? Yeah, so America uh, <laughs> might have to try and go home. Speaking of going home, oh. uh, Spider Man. <laughs> No, uh, okay. Let's go back to uh, the beginning of the film. We have obviously that it takes it takes place straight after Far From Home, so yes. early twenty twenty four, right? Um, we get that really great opening sequence where they're like running away. I fucking cr- like I was laughing my ass off when you saw Flash. His reaction to his phone, Just brilliant, brilliant stuff.
5: Yeah, uh, that was great. Um, happy happy being broken up with
4: oh i was so fucking happy that is my most cursed pairing and i hate it it is a pairing <laughs> that it is a pairing that came from the mind of a dude with a wish fulfillment fantasy and i hated it so much who wants and, to be with
5: marissa Tomei yes. from my and cousin it vinny is
4: so yeah. gross and i never understood it and i do not care for happy you do not need him after iron man anyway but like he's fine but that did not need to happen so when it I started think happy
1: fulfilled his role of being like yes, hey, in, in what the
0: Homecoming. fuck the
5: last
1: movie called? Far From Home. <laughs> Far from home. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm ready to
5: be done with the home titles, by the way. Yes. I'm ready.
1: Um. Uh. I think he fulfilled his role in being like, listen, you don't have to be Tony, because I feel like he was the only one left that mm-hmm. could potentially do that, other than, like, Pepper Potts, but, like... Good luck. Yeah.
5: <laughs> Good luck getting Gwyneth on board. Gwyneth,
1: Gwyneth Paltrow's too busy selling, like, eggs uh, that you... <laughs> so, like, you... <laughs> who could get her but uh i i yeah having happy in this movie happy keep happy keep when he keeps showing up it's like <laughs> why are you still here <laughs> i did
4: like the fact that like he is so so he breaks up with uh, army breaks up with him it's great zendaya and tom get home after that very funny chase sequence and then mm. you really start getting into like the legal ramifications of far from home which i'm happy about cuz i hate that movie simply for the fact that Tony Stark gave a child world-ending drones. And we were all just
1: meant to be like, good choice. Like, well done. <laughs> um, so like, Though to be fair, Tony Stark is not one who makes great decisions. No, he's terrible at making decisions. Like, it's, it's in character. But I also,
4: I was not really a big, we kind of touched on this before, I didn't really have an issue with Peter becoming an Avenger straight away and getting a cool Stark tech suit. But that second movie... I understood more what people's issue was with it and how far it takes him away from the the street level kind of Spider-Man stories that we know, like the working class kid, just trying to pay his rent, like saving the local cat and like looking after the bodega owners and stuff. And so like, I was really happy when the one thing I'll be okay to see happy continue with is like, if he does end up having to get a really good lawyer and, and like actually be get be culpable for all the terrible things Stark Tech has done because they've Cause done what, so many we, bad things.
0: We were saying this last night. The idea that maybe, what if Happy appears in She Hulk? <laughs> and uh-huh. that's her case, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that I can would absolutely be so
1: good. Like I need Jennifer oh my Walters God. telling Happy Hogan to shut the fuck Dude, up. That's that what I need in my so life. Much
4: sense. That's actually just—I mean—I would just straight up say that's a straight Easter egg. Now you put yeah. it out there, like because
5: the I, I really do Matt's think like, that. You need
4: a really good lawyer, like, well, because Matt easily. doesn't volunteer himself
5: no. for it. He just says you need one. Yeah, he's like so, Matt's like
4: I only I only represent superheroes <laughs> apparently now.
5: <laughs> yeah, and it would be great if it was like. Matt ends up being the prosecution and mm-hmm. he walks in and Happy's like, what the
4: happened hell? Which has in the comics where they're against <laughs> yeah, each other, you know? So. Exactly,
5: and that's gotta be a thing, but... Um,
0: and I, I also think the, the whole idea of, like, Stark Industries being in trouble because of this and the technology being taken and the whole legal ramifications, that has to be armor wars, right? Yeah,
4: it leads in so well yeah. to it. I was kind of more surprised, even though I really loved the angle they went with with the Sinister Six stuff, where it was like, Tom, help... Uh, you know, PR1 helping them. Um, I was surprised that the Electro having the arc reactor wasn't something that was going to directly lead into um, the space of like armor wars, because obviously like it's all about people using Stark tech in the wrong way. But yeah. I do believe, and this is connecting to a lot of, so we mentioned Matt, that's Matt Murdoch, obviously who gets a cameo in this movie and everyone in the theater loses their goddamn minds. <laughs> Uh, and and I do think that there's a version of Damage Control who also appear in this movie in like a more prominent space than when they were just mentioned in Homecoming. But like, there's a version of Damage Control where it's being run by Wilson Fisk um,
2: mm. in the comic. Whoa.
4: So I mm, wonder yeah. if the reason that we're getting all these Daredevil-esque kind of... Apart from the fact that obviously everyone likes them and, and Disney wants them in the MCU. But like, I wonder if the Armor Wars thing is going to be the private public ownership of the dam- de- department of damage control who suck in this movie and do seem like villainous people. They... They're, the,
0: they're the sixth member of this is the, the six. Yeah, like they the really movie. are like they're cops suck. Cops
4: are the sixth member of the sinister six. <laughs> and that's why Green Goblin has blown up a bunch of cop cars. <laughs> he's
2: uh,
0: a hero.
4: He's a hero. <laughs> but like the, um, yeah, I wonder if they're going to do like a Wilson Fisk thing.
3: Where it's like Wilson I'm, has something I'm, to do
4: with this that and they get the Stark tech, and then that leads to armor wars or something. I'm I'm all
1: for seeing Wilson Fisk in anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio is the best.
5: And also, that would mean that we get Vincent D'Onofrio and potentially Sam Rockwell in scenes together. Oh my <laughs> god! Oh. And that would just <laughs> I be Sam
4: Rockwell comes back because he's just I, mean, he, I just
5: want him to dance across the screen and and bring and bring joy into my life but yeah i think uh, so much of this uh i think is is great and we are moving chronologically you know we 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 got into the into the Matt conversation i will say while we're on that that topic because this is right before they move into happy's apartment which i think is a great comedic beat with Fabro of him being on the on the reclining chair <laughs> and like, did you did you hear all of that and he's like not willingly <laughs> um when Matt, I think that it was a, it was again. John Watts is is a man that directs with restraint because mm-hmm. I think a lot of us in that position we would have been like, okay, there's going to be a knock at the door, and then May's going to say, I saw something about this lawyer, and then it's gonna, the door's going to open, and Peter's going to be like, who's that, and then it's going to cut, it's going to be Daredevil. Nope, they just here's his case. he's in the room already here's his cane the theater was like
1: literally three minutes the
5: theater was like in shock and then uh, again the if for some reason you don't know or you're a a casual viewer or you didn't watch the netflix shows or you've never read a comic it's a great hint for any level of fandom that some shits up with that lawyer (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah no i really love the idea of someone who has no idea what the fuck is going on being like why is everybody screaming over this lawyer <laughs> like, yeah i had that thought in the theater but yeah i think it was just such a perfect if you're gonna put a daredevil cameo in something that was the way to do it you're establishing like matt murdoch's a lawyer but there's also something else going on there you know? yeah i like that they just got to it with his powers it's like he's not
4: afraid no. of showing them. Spider Man has spider powers, and he doesn't admit to it. He just says, "I'm a really good lawyer," and that's like a funny joke when he catches the brick. Like I thought that was really good writing.
0: It's a funny joke, and also it reiterates his point about the whole public opinion thing, which mm-hmm. I thought was really exactly. as well. It's
4: perfectly timed.
0: And yeah. that what I love about this film as well, because it's sort of you can jump forward about this as well. The whole mystery of it never really gets resolved. Like, mm-hmm. presumably, even though Spider-Man's now Spider-Man, people still think he murdered Mysterio. And I love that, because it all sort of ties back into the whole comic book of it, where people think he's a menace, and right. some people think he's a hero. And, I and really that's like- the good
5: thing about Jameson's final report. The very last Jameson scene sets up the classic dynamic, of course, with the, the modernization of him being a conservative grifter and not just mm-hmm. an asshole I- editor. Can
1: I just say that the, the, making Jamison like some InfoWars-esque <laughs> online S-
3: Selling lunatic, supplements? Selling supplements. I,
1: I, the supplements, I they were me. like, just in case you thought this was a coincidence. It's not. It's, it's
3: not. Even, no, this yeah. is, clearly, <laughs> this is clearly
1: We need you all to know what we're making fun of here. Um, I just think that's such a Wonderful way to modernize the idea of Jameson. Because, mm-hmm. like, yes. that's, that's who he would be, right? He'd be exactly. a sensational and I think right-wing that, grifter conspiracy theorist. Like
5: I think that the way that I, I think it's just like I have so many thoughts about where we're at right now with Spider-Man, where it's like a character that's been around as long as Spider-Man has never been treated with so much respect in as many ways at the same time. As right now with the Spider Verse stuff, with I mean, admittedly, I haven't read the current run. Is that still Spencer? I don't don't know.
0: I think it's just Um, ended with Spencer.
5: It just ended with Spencer. Okay, well, I
0: need need to catch
5: up. Yeah, yeah, they're doing uh, a
4: big. uh, (laughs) They're doing a big thing now, uh, Spider Man Beyond. It's like a bunch of different writers, like Cody Ziggler, who did She Hulk. Uh, There's a ton of different people taking it on, and it's kind of a Ben Riley Clone Wars. They're
0: trying to make me care about Ben Riley. Marvel
4: will. will never stop oh, trying to stop make you it. wait until <laughs> wait until the next Spider-Man movie where when you see Tom Holland again he's going by an alter ego of Ben Riley. Just wait. So for it. Yeah, I said it's that funny. to
5: Charlie last night, Rosie. I said when he was at the grave with Happy, I mm-hmm. thought he was going to say, "What's well, your name, look, by the way?" Oh, the ben. truth
4: is, like this is the real truth. Uncle Ben is, you know, we know that he now knows the relevance of Uncle Ben in different worlds. Uh, he, if the spell works similarly to how it works in like a brand new day or whatever then anyone who knows Peter Parker or meets Peter Parker or recalls Peter Parker will immediately forget him so you have to make a new identity to be able to exist in a world where anyone is going to be able to recall you. I mean, technically his landlord shouldn't even really be able to no, no, as long as he, if he doesn't say his name is Peter Parker. So I think that I think we could get an alter ego. So if you're tired of Ben yeah. Riley, keep being tired. Marvel's going to keep, they're never going to get over the clone saga.
0: I, I don't mind yes. Ben <laughs> Riley, but Kane Parker is absolutely the clone.
4: Oh yeah.
5: I'm, That's yeah. true. That's a hundred percent. true. Question.
0: He's the best um, boy. That little defense he gave, that speech he gives to Gwen. It's beautiful in the comics. I think it isn't Spider-Verse or maybe like second Spider-Verse mm. event. Yeah. Um,
5: but um, yeah, so just overall, I think we're seeing so many great versions. And, and with Jameson, approaching him this way and the PS4 game, making him a podcast host. Um, mm. That way you can play the game and hear him. It's like yeah. everybody is finding these ways to reinterpret some of the mythology i mean obviously uh michelle jones watson as opposed to mary jane watson they've been building that up uh in the background a little bit over the course of these movies and having you know andrew garfield say you know she was my mj and then toby saying you know mj and i we made it work like really putting her putting uh, zendaya's version um in that category mm-hmm. in case there was any doubt. I mean, I I've loved her and these. So I, I was on board, but really um, emphasizing that and, and doing the same with Ned, with Ned, with the great joke about best friends that turn into villains and <laughs> try to kill him <laughs> when he's like, I promise that I will never turn it to Andrew's face. And uh,
0: he, when he pats him in the back, <laughs> like, good yeah, job.
4: he's like so proud of him. <laughs>
5: uh, it's yeah. They, they just found a, a really great ways to, um, Continue reinterpreting all of that stuff, but um, yeah. What comes after those, Charlie? <laughs> what would <was, laughs> what happened next in the movie? I, I still feel I'm, like I, get a cigarette you, you. You I got cigarette. and I don't even smoke cigarettes. I'm going to tell you, you what happened.
0: point. No, Sorry. no, no,
4: no. It was good because you were talking about all these different. You were talking about representations of Ned and MJ, and then the good thing is basically the big inciting incident of this movie after yes. the legal incidents. Everything yes. is that Emma is that Ned and college. Peter and MJ they all apply to the same three colleges two backup colleges and the number one college MIT which is obviously going to be really playing into the future of the MCU with Black Panther and Ironheart and they don't get into any of them and that is when Peter's like I need to do something so he decided like was... that it
1: wasn't it wasn't about him No,
4: it's yes. about that that's
5: report. when in the theater I I knew like they have kept the soul of this mm-hmm. this is not an an Avengers Type film like this is still about small problems, which I contend that Homecoming and Far From Home were as well in a lot of ways. Far From Home a little bit less so, but this one really was. And 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 I've said it up top, and I tweeted it very vaguely. And uh, this movie is, you know, everything from Civil War where Tony meets him all the way through to the end of the fight with Thanos, and then Far From Home is this kid being thrust into the world of heroes it's you know and and for part of that he's at war with the avengers Mm -hmm. you know they are at war and it's an invasion and it's you know there's not time to to grow and change as a a young man this is a mythic like this is simba ascending pride rock this is i'm a jedi like my father before me like Mm -hmm. this is becoming an adult and this is what does spider man mean and toby sums it up with the it's what we do at the end and that sort of carrying May's lessons and all that stuff through this is this is the end of chapter one and so it was ironic that we started this with fai being like he didn't say this obviously but with civil war being like we're skipping the origin and then it was like psych it's all been an origin
0: <laughs> and that i think that's what's great about like, we we're talking about the iron man genius stuff and i think my biggest criticism of that and and i do but i do understand people's worries and ideas about It's not my Peter Parker. I think sometimes people read too much into the things. Like, I remember people saying, oh, yeah, but Peter's not Paul. He just, because he has Tony Stark there for him. We now know that Tony Stark doesn't even fucking pay his friends, (laughs) let alone... (laughs)
4: Don't even get me started. Don't even get me started.
0: Like, poor (laughs) Sam. I mean, Hawkeye has to deal with free meals from people. Um, Much,
5: Much like Aunt May in the Raimi trilogy, Sam Wilson couldn't even get alone. Or Literally. a free toaster. I
4: mean, it doesn't, I mean, yeah, I'm glad I wasn't on your Falcon of the Winter Soldier Series uh, episode. It wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> me. I think they made a lot of bad choices. And I think one of the most hilariously bad choices is the idea to uh, assume that nobody in the Avengers gets paid, which is not canon in the comics. And absolutely turns the whole MCU upside down, but I think it's hilarious.
5: No, yeah, and- I mean, because yeah. I remember in the the Hickman run, that's how they recruit Spider Man.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Is when Iron Man, like he like lands on the roof, and he's like, "So there'll be money." And Iron Man's like, "Yeah." yeah. And he's like,
4: oh Spider Man has tried to join the Fantastic Four before because he thought they got paid because that
0: was he's great. Like- I- yeah, he's and like through this.
4: I I really like. That in this movie, I, I think actually in a way, something that's really nice about this movie is people talk about fan service and obviously they're thinking about the three Spider-Mans, like the the villains returning. But I actually think there's responses to fan issues here. Not in a way of like they've been cowed by evil fans, but I think just things like they had Peter say he was broke and that he needed a scholarship. That was just yeah. something that means something mm-hmm. to people when they watch the films, like that they see that he's like this working class street level hero. You know, they really The movie ends at the beginning of where every Spider-Man story begins. So if the first three kind of big introducing him during Avengers Endgame, cosmic, blah, 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 didn't speak to you. Well, guess what? Now he's Spider-Man as you know him. So I think in that way, it does a really good job of, it never apologizes for anything that came before because it doesn't need to, but it presents you with a new version of the character that
1: might be a more classic version, not just in aesthetics, but also in setup. Yeah. That's the thing that I think spoke to me about this movie a lot in the mm-hmm. interpretation of Peter. One of the things that really got me in an emotional sense was uh May saying with great power comes great responsibility. Oh, May hell. May May being the May being the Uncle Ben. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That because for this version of Spider-Man, it makes sense. Yeah. They've established that he has a deep relationship with May and that May is the type of person that helps people. You know, she works at the homeless shelter and in this movie especially, you know, she's fully on board with what Peter is doing. And I think it made perfect perfect sense for this movie to be like the one who makes Peter Spider Man is not Uncle Ben,
3: it's May. And also
1: we've actually
4: gotten more about their relationship than we ever got. In every other Spider-Man movie, yeah. you just know he lives with Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben dies. There's not, like, a deep... Yeah. Even in, I mean, it's Amazing Fantasy beyond. 15, the first issue of Spider-Man. That happens. Like, it's just... It just these things just happen to him. But here, mm-hmm. there's three movies and
1: many years of, like, knowing how much she means to him and what she's taught him. And... and- and not even that she loves him as Peter Parker. She loves him as Peter Parker and Spider-Man because she yeah. knows, mm-hmm. right?
3: Will, yeah. like,
1: and, and I think that is, this I think this is honestly the most, talking comics, cartoons, everything, I think this is the best in, yeah. like per- interpretation of Ant-Man. Uh,
5: yeah. I, I would agree. I agree mm-hmm. too.
4: And I also just have to say, like, something I really loved about it is it's actually the direct quote from the comics. Like in Amazing Fantasy 15, yeah. it's, it's a caption quote. It's not Uncle Ben saying it. That didn't happen until way later. And the actual quote is, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. And that's what she says. So not only does it feel emotionally fitting, but they went for this real comics nerd, like direct. And it's really cool because if people say, oh, well, Uncle Ben usually says it, you can actually say, no, he didn't. And she actually is the first one to say it right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's great. And, and
5: then I mean, it's like for those people, it's like if you're if you gotta stick up your ass that much and you it really, really fucking matters to you, it's like, well, we know he fucking existed because we saw his suitcase, and maybe that's something that they used to say as a married couple. I don't know. Try I don't know. A little I, harder. I, I'm I'm like, an Uncle
4: Ben truther now because because <laughs> she's not buried next to Uncle Ben and it doesn't mention anything about Ben Parker or, or husband. True. or loving wife. That is true. I think whoever Ben is in that world. It's just somebody different. Because when when the Peters talk to him about their Uncle Ben's, he doesn't go, me too, or have an emotional reaction Yeah, to he it. doesn't yeah. have really any reaction to he it. He just learns about how May kind of relates. How he sees how he, May is his version of that. So I'm very yes. interested in what people think. My read is that there's no Uncle Ben in the sense that we've known him in other things. But I know I was speaking to a friend outside the theater, and he disagreed with me very virulently. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> Uncle Ben exists.
2: Well, I, think I also like think there's a tendency that was...
1: because like Spider-Man is that has always been the Spider-Man story I think yeah. there would probably be a tendency to be like no of course Uncle Ben exists yeah. and there is kind of that like an immediate knee-jerk reaction I guess is like a, a lifelong Spider-Man fan being like oh Uncle Ben didn't say it Aunt May said it mm-hmm. but what's also ben...
5: cool is that the movie sort of writes its own back door right by having Norman say there's no Oscorp there's no this there's I'm no sorry. Yeah.
0: I'll get to that I'm it sure
5: creates the difference uh oh Charlie, don't worry. Well, uh, I I'm going to order a pizza and then I'm going to I'm going to go eat the whole pizza and while you gear up for the Norman thing and then the next hour can be Norman, but uh, I I think that the you know, speaking of that point just about when the other Peter's reference Ben, I love that this movie and I'm going to reference a movie I didn't think I was going to reference, which is Interstellar, which got dogged on a lot for the love transcends time and space. Um, but I'm 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 a, a schmaltzy schlocky guy sometimes, and I kind of like that. And I I think that the uh, this movie sort of in its own way says themes transcend time and space, mm-hmm. and the fact that Toby has that realization finishes the quote, which is something that I really selfishly wanted, and I, I thought they played it very well. But I think, by the way, Toby gives the best performance he's given as Spider Man. I agree. Um, Across all of his trilogy and everything. Uh, But yeah.
0: You you forget Spider-Man 3 though.
5: Wow. Yeah. Um, But he. he, When he says that. And then Andrew jumps in. And they're emphasizing that. And he's like. That's what Ben said. The day he died. And they have that realization. It is putting a. a Cosmic level of importance. And also a. An emotional bond between these guys. Mm -hmm. Level of importance. And it, it just sort of. Emphasizes that these truths are universal. That what binds us is the way that we emphasize things. The fact that we want to not just our villains are unleashed, we must defeat them again. But it was also a Toby saying, I've been thinking about how I would cure the goblin for years. It's Andrew saying, I've been trying to tell you, Max, you're not a nobody. And then Uh them having that conversation. It's the fact that time and space is used in this that the villains come from the plots of those movies. The heroes have lived with it and it's, the, you know, it's them at the ages that they would be. And so you're able to show Tom's Peter, our proper MCU Peter, um, that May's lessons do carry on because his fear, his darkest moment is she died for nothing. And so then to see these guys emphasize, no, she really didn't because our entire now last effort as a team. Is going to be in her spirit. Mm-hmm. And you've
0: given us the opportunity to do something we never could. Um, yeah, and I think uh, speaking of, I think someone mentioned the Spider-Man game a little bit mm-hmm. earlier. Yeah, there was two major Easter eggs in this film when it comes to the Spider-Man PS4. Did you both? Did anyone here catch both of them? Is it the fight move? There's the fight move at the end. Yeah. The, which is the, the, uh, first,
4: the first one that I actually caught was a. Uh, Another move, one where when Andrew whips himself on, he uses he uses the webs to go to the top, and then he slingshots himself over the scaffolding. Oh, I didn't notice that one. And that is mm. exact. That's the number one move I used to use constantly in that game that I've never oh, seen in a Spider-Man
0: movie. Uh, there's three of them in them this film. <laughs> uh, so yeah, is that? I, it's, uh, it's... I uh,
4: haven't I haven't I haven't beat the Spider-Man game. Oh, um... Me neither. We actually had to give it away because we got too into it. So it went. <laughs> no, it's taking it, over
0: our lives. Yeah,
4: we had to. We sent it to our nephew. We were like, enjoy and take I've, it away. Do past.
0: you know? Do you know what happens in the game?
1: Yeah, vaguely.
0: Does it, I don't know. Does it, Rosie? Have you finished the game? Get- oh, yeah, I, yeah, I know, know
4: what happens. I, I'm the. I'm. I'm like spoilers. Just come to me. I'm like a spoiler magnet, and I'm just <laughs> okay with it now.
0: Okay, they just so- happen to me May Parker's gravestone says the exact same thing it does in the game, which is when you wow. help someone, you help everyone.
4: That is so cool. Yeah, I did not know that. That is really cool.
0: And I was it like, was a oh, great nod. "Damn it, was... you got me, you got me again."
2: So <laughs> and and
5: just like the way that, and again, the, her lingering spirit over that mm-hmm. third act is so so powerful, and I like the 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 stuff that happy says at her grave of like you know i lost someone important to me too and when you remember what they stood for it causes a certain amount of pain but it's also a positive thing and that's that's when peter like smiles for the first time after you know the end of the movie and it was so yeah putting him on that path and seeing him go into the the apartment and all that stuff and uh you know the new mcu canon mr Mm -hmm. dickovich because that's who he was of course
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah went. we dream
4: We dream that it was just a, a <laughs> casting conflict and that's why he couldn't come in but we'll see him soon we you know well, when <laughs> how gentrification
0: works he'll be in it next film yeah. he'll buy the flat and he'll be there um, to answer your question Rosie I feel like my interpretation of the whole thing is that it's less so about the importance of the particular person in terms of Uncle Ben and Aunt mm-hmm. May but more or less them as a couple yeah. and that both of them represent like I've always felt in my gut like the spider bite that bit Peter just happened to give him the power. But what makes him Spider Man is being brought up by the Parkers the yeah, same way that Superman definitely. was raised by the Kent's. Mm-hmm. And it's that beautiful like I can imagine Uncle Ben and Aunt May saying this stuff to each other. Like we see, even though Uncle Ben dies, Aunt May gives him tons of wisdom in the comics and in the films. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if Ben was alive, he'd do the same thing that Aunt May said. So That's a great I point i thought it was very beautiful that sequence but I and you was-
5: needed to have a lot of may and it because it is the end of the origin like putting yeah, exactly, with great power exactly. in the third film of the trilogy and then including civil war and the two avengers films i mean this is his sixth mcu appearance i believe that's correct yeah um so at the end of six films you drop it that is such a, a brilliant stroke of being so utterly classic, but also bravely different and yeah. making sure that he can carry on. And I was saying off air, it's it's got all of this May hanging over it. But the theme of of growth and mentors is is throughout. You know, it's there in funny ways. The the very light interactions between Ned and mm-hmm. Doctor Strange of like, did you just open a portal? Like so there's like little hints of like the next generation like yeah. proving their usefulness and proving their mettle. But then there's also things that are more subtle, like I was saying off air about how the integrated suit, because, you know, it's so funny the way they market these with the toys, like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. what is that black suit? It's just the other one inside out uh, for, <laughs> for a sequence. And then the integrated suit with the gold spider, like, whoa, integrated? What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. But symbolically, mm-hmm. it's the it's carrying the last bit of Tony into this final battle. And then there's no more room for that anymore. Yeah. And then it's I'm at my sewing machine. Like
4: That's actually the thing I think is the best about this movie. The best choice they made about this movie narratively. Obviously, I love all the Spider-Man stuff. I was actually very surprised by how much I love it. That's really important. But I actually think the fact that this is a secret Spider-Man origin movie is incredibly clever. Mm -hmm. I wrote a whole piece about it. Like I just I can't kind of fathom that they really did it. They have him say for the first like in Homecoming we hear Ned say Oh, you got bitten by a spider. Like, can I get bitten too? And Peter's like, oh, it's dead. But here he actually says to MJ, since I got bitten by that spider, the only normal week I've had is like when you found out I was Spider Man. Then you have Aunt May dying, the tragic, inciting death, and you have the with great power. And then you have the beautiful classic blue and red suit stitched together in a shithole apartment. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's cold and he's not going to be oh, able yeah. to pay the rent. And that is, how did they do that? They basically said, oh, well, these three movies, this was really a prequel to Spider-Man. And now Sp- you can you can imagine the Spider-Man that exists. I don't personally know, the, I don't really believe that we're going to get another immediate Tom Holland trilogy with that Spider-Man. I don't think that's the point. I think the point is here is the beginning of Spider-Man as the solo lone hero here is Spider-Man, the figurehead. Here is the Spider-Man you always know, and you know how he came to be him. And then we see where it goes. But that just blew my mind when I realized it was basically an origin story. I just think that's so clever. I,
1: you know what's interesting? I actually got the complete opposite read from the movie from that. I read this as an ending. Yeah, no, I think it is an ending, but
4: I also think it's an origin. Like, I think it's an ending that is composed. I don't believe that Tom Holland is going to come back as Spider-Man soon. I think we're getting something different. But what I think is really smart is it is an ending, but I feel like they made it, they put all the notes of Spider-Man's origin into this end movie to give you the origin of that
2: classic blue and red. No, but
1: I very much walked out of this movie being like, Okay, this might be the last MCU Spider-Man movie, nah.
2: depending on how all nah, these
1: I, I think work out. I think it's money. gonna be I think it's actually gonna probably be the last Sony Spider-Man
4: movie. I think from here on out that MCU is gonna Marvel Studios is gonna be wrangling to do them themselves. Um, but I, I I think that after the amount of money this makes, Sony and Spider- MCU will probably be working together quicker than they were working together before because it's going to break every box office record. But no, I just, I love that dichotomy of, I feel like you could never see Tom Holland Spider-Man again, or or Tom Holland, Peter Parker, and it would be fine. But it is, but I like that they left it with this classical kind of beginnings. I just, I thought Mm -hmm. that was a really, really smart, unexpected narrative choice, six movies in.
5: (laughs) And what's interesting is that like, exactly. And the themes are so strong and the setup is so strong in terms of, classic but what's great is that you know we talked up top about the cynicism of these companies and that's all so real um in terms of like the plans the plans like yeah 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 this is also impressively so credit to john watts it's also a nice little prologue for doctor strange too you know like Mm -hmm. he he gets a significant amount of screen time in the movie probably more than fury and stark in in either of the previous installments um so there is a lot of setup going on and it does do the Marvel thing. It's the first one since Captain America won to use a trailer as a post credits. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely like full steam ahead on the universe itself, but the ways that it can branch out are so thoughtful. So, like, for example, we you know, we've all been musing off air about things like, oh, you know, they're gonna try to lock down Andrew for another appearance. It's like, yeah, maybe that'd be amazing haha ha! ha. Um, I think so. but but it would also be spectacular and it would also be web of <laughs> um but the, uh, the shut up but the the whole idea that we have created anywhere between four and six new timelines as well is like fun and wacky and creates like so it's, it's having their cake and eat it too it's having all this emotional weight but also there now exists A Raimi verse where Norman survived and was a a dude again. Mm
0: -hmm. There now
5: exists. Like they have splintered those timelines. They've done something wacky and big and large and but so intimate.
0: I am telling you, because we Rosie, we discussed this the other day, like the idea of what technically happened to those villains. Like Mm -hmm. because my interpretation was that maybe Flint Marco and Toby went back to the main yeah, Flint doesn't need to go anywhere else. Yeah, no, yeah, because he's like well, back where he came from. But uh, but Defoe and Molina must mm-hmm. go to two different splinter timelines. Exactly. And I'm saying it's the perfect opportunity if you wanted to give Alfred Molina something to do, and he wants to redeem himself, he wanted to become the Superior Spider-Man. I'm just saying, I'm just I do that think out there. that
4: we know that Sony loves a villain movie now. Like they made so much money with these Venom movies. They're doing Morbius. I wouldn't be surprised out of all those heroes, even if it uh, there's certain ones I would want to see. I'd love like Willem Dafoe and everything, but like, I think that Electro, they set him up really well to have, he has beef with the MCU now. Like he, mm. they took away the power that he has and sent him back to somewhere he didn't want to go where he has to yeah. live a life he doesn't want to lead. So yeah. I think that there's a lot of space if they want to do those spin-offs. That's like definitely not what excites me the most about this movie, but I do yeah. think it's very possible and also, I,
5: Electro getting the Miles Morales reference in there it was well, so well done. Yeah, that was that. so funny.
4: I personally, <laughs> I personally think that it was. I think the whole the way that Miles was not in this movie was a was a bit of a cop out. But I'm sure that it was also a legal uh, rights issue. The, like, and,
5: don't do and, live action while we're doing. Exactly. The two-part you know of it. who yeah.
4: knows? I think this movie actually brilliantly sets up Miles coming to the MCU in a couple of years. But. Yeah. But I also think that, yeah, that that I'm very interested to see how people feel about it because I was definitely sitting with a few people who thought at least one of the post credit scenes would be Miles, and they were pretty bombed because it seems I, it's multiverse, so it makes. I thought we might see.
5: I thought we might see like Miles or or a Gwen swinging through the cracks mm, in the universe, cool. like they were about to come join, and then the spell happened. But I. I also think, and this is like just a long term predictions thing. Um, Amy Pascal has, you know, she's jumped the gun. And so they have this idea for another trilogy. Sony has then clarified and said that is not confirmed. But knowing that they're at least thinking about it, it would not surprise me if, whenever that does or does not happen, let's say it does, if that Peter trilogy, the college years trilogy, um, maybe ends with. Not just his death, but his death,
4: comma, I don't think, nah, I the don't undoing think, of the spell. I don't think you need that. I actually think that this is, I think, the biggest reason they did the spell, because no offense to Brand New Day, One More Day, they're not trying to replicate those comics. They're not trying to replicate that. But why, would they want, why would they want to do exactly. one of the most notoriously yeah. Yeah. negatively received comics Literally, ever? <laughs> they, 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 they use them here as a template, but what they actually have done by making everyone forget Peter Parker, they have opened up a space where you can essentially have Mars Morales be introduced. He can take on a mantle of Spider-Man. Spider-Man still exists as this figurehead, this legend. And then when you need to have Peter Parker back, you don't have to do a due ex machina of Peter being brought back to life. It's just that we, the impact of him coming back is just him being Peter Parker. I also think the Venom symbiote probably remembers who Peter Parker is because that's the reason that they knew. So I I just I actually think that we're I think when Amy said they were doing three movies with Tom involved, that could really be Tom as a cameo, Tom as a mentor or Tom as an exact producer. I don't necessarily think it means yeah. they're immediately going to make because also pretending to be 15 when you're in your mid 20s is fine. But he's going to start getting to like Buffy the Vampire Slayer situations if we're meant yeah. to believe that he's in see, college. He's like twenty five, in... right? Yeah. And if he's meant... if they're going to make this movie in two years and he's twenty seven and he's pretending to be in college, like though I would love to see Community College Spider Man. That yeah. does sound amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think what you have here is a perfect. I I still think we will see more films with uh, Tom, and I think what's interesting about where we leave off is. I don't. Well, first of all, actually, let me just say I I wasn't expected to see Gwen or Miles because I felt like quite personally this is a Peter Parker movie, and even though I love those characters, I just feel like it might have distracted a little bit from the sort of the origin story they're telling. And I think what's cool is that if we do get like a college story of Peter and like growing up, it ties into that sort of age we see in the game where then Miles gets introduced and then we mm. get to see two Spider Men. And I think what you can also do there's so much Spider-Man comics that, and the multiverse has now been set up that you can exploit the fact that, you know, Andrew Garfield's out there. If you wanted to tell a story of like a multiverse traveling Spider-Man, get Andrew Garfield, get Emma Stone as Spider-Gwen, get them meeting and maybe Spider-Gwen, they change it slightly where her, oh, like she was that's with. Uh,
5: that's a weird way to say Nicolas Cage, but go on.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, you can make out of Nicholas Cage. That'd be pretty cool. Um, <laughs> But uh, Nicholas Cage just goes right at though. Just saying. Um, oh, please. Not before. Not before <laughs>
5: oh, Affleck's Daredevil. Not before oh, Affleck's God. Daredevil, baby. <laughs> Boo. Uh,
1: this is officially my last episode of PonderVision. It's been real fun, y'all. Actually, I, I understand where you I support your decision.
4: I am in solidarity <laughs> with your choice.
0: But no, I, I think what you can do is you can have like maybe there's a Gwen who's who's lost her Peter mm-hmm. and. It's a bit like I don't, I don't have to throw this out here, but it's a Doctor Who reference. It could be like a Pete Tyler, uh, Jackie Tyler situation where it's like, "But you're not my, uh, you're not my asking them whatever, no, and you're not mine." But like, do you know what? Let's just you are though. Let's mm-hmm. just get together, and I think that'd be really cool to have those two like dive off into that story. And I think Peter is perfect for like the, the sort of, um, J. Michael Skrasinski teacher, Peter Parker,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you can have him like deal with this like older stuff and like having to deal with maybe I'll have, like Mary Jane and have Mayday by
5: the way, I 100% believe that Toby um you know because one of my hopes for Toby going into this was that and we didn't know like the mechanic of how they would come and then leave I thought that maybe we'd see a portal into the Raimi world as he left mm-hmm. um and maybe we'd see Kirsten Dunst like holding a baby or something <laughs> something cute like that um I a thousand percent believe that that guy is a teacher. Like his his whole his whole performance and aesthetic and affect and the way that like youth pastor was so good. Did you bring a suit or are you just gonna (laughs) (laughs) Um, my back? Yeah, the my back. I mean, yeah. Like we're talking about such heavy thematic stuff, but like just the. The comedy, the way they were used, the introduction with Ned's grandma, oh, the, yeah, she li- was the so great. light little jump onto the ceiling. <laughs>
0: Night, Lola. <laughs>
5: uh, yeah, just, why are you throwing bread at me? Because we want to see your
0: tingle.
3: It doesn't work <laughs> for bread.
0: Um, the comedic yeah. bounce off and the sort of s- like sibling energy they delivered it was perfect. And I think what's really good about that as well, like you were saying, I think a lot of that could have been just improv. You couldn't yeah. tell, and that's what's great. It feels about like fighting. it,
5: and exactly. Yeah. I mean, and it lines, feels like, in a lot of ways, one of
0: the loosest things they've done since mm-hmm. Iron Man 1. Yeah. The line they do when Andrew goes, you know, Max was a great guy, until he fell into a giant vat of ills. And then Toby goes, yeah, that'll do it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah, I think well, that Because was what's good. great
5: about this Toby p- performance is that You know, I compared it to obviously very different roles, but I compared it to Harrison and Force Awakens where it's like he had Toby had never made like disparaging comments about the role. But it definitely seemed like he was past it, past it. Mm -hmm. Um, He wasn't doing cons. He wasn't doing signings. He didn't bring it up. He's a a reserved guy anyway. Um, But he came into this and delivered a performance that is so that guy and he was having such a blast. But it is that guy whose life did work out you know he said it was complicated but we found we found what works for us and it was I, he was no longer I, burdened like he was in the first three
0: i really appreciated that line because i think one of the things i do like about spider-man 3 is the ending that he they don't they don't have him and mary jane kiss and go well that was a bit of a weird thing but we're back together. And it, it, it we have
1: uh we're, we fit that was a little weird blip in our in our uh in our <laughs> relationship timeline but we're fine now <laughs> yeah
0: how are you no, but i do i like i like the idea that it wasn't just simple and it wasn't just mm-hmm. like uh sorry for hitting you uh but we're back together now yeah and she's like <laughs> no um i i yeah i appreciate that and i and the same with andrew with him talking about grief and going down the dark path
2: mm-hmm.
0: I, I just know i kind of wish we got to see like a really grief-stricken Andrew, bit the shit out of the spot. But can only dream about that in the future. Maybe
4: they definitely uh, seem like they were trying to set up like some kind of like Spider-Man Rain kind of like dark, sad Spider-Man mm. thing with with Andrew. And I, I just think both of them did such a great job, honestly, because like, especially because of how annoying the press must have been to do it. Now, like, I hope so. they don't yeah. regret it in hindsight, because like, I feel so sorry for Andrew doing the tick-tick boom press.
5: I hope that he keeps the bit up.
4: Me too, me too. I, I hope he just keeps denying it. But like, both of them had every right to phone that in and get their money, and they nope. didn't. And I think that nope. is very admirable in the face of yeah. what this movie is, and I hope they both And especially got paid.
5: with Andrew, who was yeah. legitimately screwed.
4: Yeah, especially um, when he was yeah. someone who was way ahead of his time trying to like, Make Peter Parker queer and and have all these different ideas about the character. Can we? And, can we talk about the the absolute bisexual energy that uh, is Peter
1: Parker? He's throwing up cue signs. I mean, <laughs> can we also
4: talk about the fact that they did like a little funny like Peter X Peter shipping moment when he like cracks Toby's cracks bag, bag and then so they just funny. stand really close together like they Rosie, were trying someone, to launch some ships. Someone
0: posted the meme and they put. I'm really grateful for the scene where uh, he cracks his back because it's a reference to Spider-Man One, and it's just the shot of the Green Goblin pushing Toby against the wall.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a hundred percent true. I mean, in a, in, a, in a year in 2021, where all I wanted in life was for Loki and Sylvie to bang on my TV, dude. We have, I'm sorry, we Marvel have is territory. literally
4: <laughs> doing so much work for self cess. That's like their ship (laughs) of choice apparently is like loki and sylvie peter and peter like this is what they care about who will be and they literally
5: i mean they've got chloe Zhao working there who's on ao3 i mean
4: chloe Zhao's an icon and that's why eternals every single character in eternals has a a powerful ship because chloe is a g and i love her so much
5: but uh yeah, I mean their 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 interplay throughout is fantastic. Even and again, like I you know, talked about the Ned bit earlier, their and, and of course the catching MJ, the way that they are as a group of five characters uh-huh. um is fantastic. The whole team Spider-Man stuff in the lab um is just wonderful and The Avengers joke.
0: Come on. That oh, is so good. And the see.
4: band joke is definitely like a little bit of an MJ you know, Gwen Stacy kind of in the Mary Janes Mm. or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. is that a band? I thought that was so so much fun. I I think also that balance of, we've talked a lot about this like intimate character work and and sadness and tragedy, but I think the real reason it feels like a true Spider-Man story is the way it can flex and jump between that and these kind of really broad, funny humor moments. Because that's the thing. It's that balance that makes Spider-Man, Spider-Man.
0: That's what he deals with, yeah. He holds the pain in and then he makes jokes about
3: mm-hmm.
0: it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's what I love about the character. I remember reading that that run of the Morlon run, mm-hmm. and Peter's like beating <laughs> the shit out. His mask is ripped off, he's bleeding, his ribs are broken, and he's ringing up MJ to be like, Yeah, uh, I might die, <laughs> but I try to let you know that I love you, <laughs> keep the kettle on, like that, that sort of stuff. Like, that is Peter Park, and I think that's what's great about this film. <laughs> Um, I want to dive into the villains because, hell yeah! You know, there's so much that this film could have done. I was like, really. My biggest worry going into this film was that it would somehow reduce or re- take away my enjoyment and appreciation for the the stories and movies that came before. Mm-hmm. And, and my ultimate, my ultimate thought in my head was the best they can do is is that I feel the same way. But that didn't happen it actually somehow improved <laughs> my love of those films and improved yep. what happened in those films just by the nature of them exploring like the second chances and exploring what happened to some of the other characters like Flynn. And I just loved it so much. Everyone is fantastic. Everyone, the CG mm-hmm. looks great. Um, the way they utilize the characters, the whole scene with Spidey and the uh, the Doc's arms, mm-hmm. and the suit was mm-hmm. fantastic. I think as um, well...
4: They, they made the right choice where, like, when you talk about the impact of these villains, like, Doc Ock was very much always this tormented anti-hero, so that, the the redemption arc for him worked so well and the moments of, like, you know, my dear boy. And, but what was really cool was they just let – it's like I, I was heartbroken. I wanted Norman to be able to win against the Goblin, but that yeah. Willem Dafoe performance is one of the most iconic superhero villains of all time, so, of course, you let him be the villain. You know, yeah. and and he's so good, and he really like he's terrifying. He really resements himself. That that fight scene with him and Peter is so great, anyway. Because like, who doesn't want to see Spider Man fighting the Green Goblin, punching each other through like ceilings? But that one scene where Peter's just like punching him in the face, and, he, and he's got oh, the smile, rosy. So that good. was just,
0: that. Like, okay, just to clarify to everyone, Green Goblin, favorite villain, William Dafoe's <laughs> performance is one of my favorite all time performances. This film. Gave me everything I wanted and more. And at, to that point, I was like, I was happy as. That was the moment where I just lost it. And I was like, Do you know what? I'm going to heaven. This is fantastic. The laugh he gives. It's so fucking, like, scary. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely
5: terrifying. And and, and again, I. It, it was a bold choice to smash that helmet. And it was the right choice. And, mm-hmm. he- and
1: I, I love that Power Rangers looking costume. Mm-hmm. But it
4: was
5: the right
1: I also want to talk about the scene with Peter's spider sense as oh, woman is turning yes, back into yes. the green goblin. Cause that was amazing. Unbelievable. That
5: was, that was cause John Watts talked about, uh, I did Raimi cam and then Charlie, you were saying last night that there's also some web cinematography stuff. Yeah, as well.
0: So, so uh, and Tom Holland talked about this, that um, John Watts was so, um, like he loved the other films wants way to be so, you know, honest to those films that he created like a a, a Ramy cam which is when they would in Ramy's films he would do it like a quick zoom into the villain's face and shots like that mm-hmm. and other sequences and he did he did the same thing with web which is there's a shot i think it's when he's trying to save the mit uh, lady on the bridge
3: mm-hmm.
0: and it's a point of view shot with his hand yeah and you saw that a lot in the uh, Andrew Garfield films. Like, you know, when he did like the jumping on the, uh, the building and he sees it's a reflection sort of thing.
5: Right. Um, but with that, I mean, I think that the most horrific and Raimi-esque thing is that Spider-Sense is going off and nobody in the room is acting mm-hmm. any different. And the audience has to catch up with the moment because it was, by the time we had cut to all the villains, I was like, okay, okay, okay. Oh my God. And then he fires the web at yeah. his hand and Defoe turns on a dime. And for years, I said this to Trey last night, for years, people have been fan casting Defoe as a, a, like a Mark Hamill-esque Joker. Mm-hmm. I don't need it anymore. Yeah. I got it. Like, incredible.
4: It, I think, Ash, I'm so glad you brought that up because I do think that's one of the best kind of cinematography, directorial moments. Like, you can almost see those little squiggly lines coming off Peter's head even yeah. though they're not there
1: because of how... The camera effect was really, really cool for that scene. It feels so
4: overwhelming. Like, you under, you don't know... I was like, is Damage Control going to bomb the building? Like, is can he sense Joan, J. Jonah Jameson's out there? I had no idea what it was. I just knew it was this... Oh, it was my favorite version of live-action Spider-Sense that we've seen because it really feels important and scary and kind of gives you an insight into how Peter... We think of the tingle as this funny little thing where he knows where something's happening, but it's actually horrible.
1: (laughs) And I I thought it was – the thing I loved about that scene the most is I had no idea what was going on Mm -hmm. until it panned over to Norman. Because I was like, is it Mm Ock? Is it – you know, what's happening? And then it suddenly pans over to Norman and then – because you forget – because at that point in the movie, you almost forget he's Green Goblin. Mm -hmm. Because he's, you know, he has that moment with Peter. He's like, if you feel like commuting to another multiverse, mm-hmm. then, you know, I'll give you a job kind of thing. And th- there's there's that aspect to it. And you, you almost forget for a second that he is Green Goblin. And mm-hmm. then suddenly Defoe completely, like you said, turns on a dime and is like... And you're like, oh shit, this is Green Goblin.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think... For me, what I love about his performance, because I, I, I have to say, the two stand-up performances in my mind in this film were Tom Holland and Willem Dafoe. It's very interesting to bring back a character who was, in my opinion, superb in the first film, and that performance was superb. And I think I, I, I truly do want to congratulate Willem Dafoe for like not just coming back for like a cameo appearance. He full-on was like... I think he said that he would refuse to do it if, one, it was a cameo, and, two, that he couldn't do the yeah. stunts. So the entire sequence at the end is both Tom and Willem. And he, and Tom Holland said that by the time John Watts yelled cut, they both collapsed just out of exhaustion of how much they put into it. And you can see that reflected in, in the sequences. The qu- the line and the writing for the Green Goblin in this film is fucking incredible and terrifying. Mm-hmm. The one... Do you know what my favourite scene, in terms of like how horrified you are, is when he... um. He's got Peter by the scruff of his hair and he's like bashing his face into the ground. And he goes, Um, your morality, it's choking you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh god, it's so good. And he goes, You try to fix me, so I'm gonna fix you. You're like, oh god, like this is so perfect. And I said to Alden yesterday as well, this goblin kind of affects Tom's Peter in a way that he never did with Toby.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Gives him a bigger effect. And the thing I've been saying for years is that. A lot of people have been doing fan casting and um, who should be Norman Osborn in the MCU. And the, the thing that made it upset me, actually, was some people that saw this movie and then said, I can't wait to see who the MCU version is. I'm like, no, no, no. This is the MCU version. Yeah.
1: Gwyneth he, he he Goblin the, has he is made the, his mark.
0: Absolutely. And it's the same. He is
1: with- the antagonist of the film. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. If, if,
5: if one were to come up, it would not be the one that this Peter Parker thinks of as his arch nemesis.
4: Yeah, and if anything, I'm, they'll do a Harry Osborne, and it will be more of like a "Oh my God, could it be?" Like, and I don't even think that because yeah. I think this is the Green Goblin, and I think in that way, I really like how final they are with it. Like they're bringing yes. these characters in, but it's not just a brief cameo; it's not just an Easter egg. These characters are having an impact on yeah. Spider Man and the MCU. It's like,
5: if, if, if Spider Man, if a fourth film came, I don't want anyone that we saw in this i would mm. want them to do craven chameleon mm-hmm. you know Morlun, whatever they wanted to do these five and then i, I guess venom is the exception because yeah. they could do their own venom um which but, i think yeah, if they do it's, it's gonna be
4: like flash i don't think they'll do a black suit symbiote kind of story with yeah. tom or, or or even another eddie because sony's gonna want that but flash is right there he dyed his hair blonde he sucks tony's great yeah. so
5: Yeah. So it's, it's super interesting, but I I agree. You know, I, I just am so impressed by, again, and the fact that they had these, even the ones that didn't really have an arc. I mean, you know, Otto and and Norman have arcs. Mm -hmm. Electro has a, has somewhat of an arc. And then, but even, uh, you know, Connors, you know, Connors speaking to the theme. Yeah. Of Of a of the lizard, you know, continuing his his work from amazing, but I told the, you there'd be consequences, yeah, but the way that it connects you know with with what's going on with peter and and the way that he him and strange sort of emphasize that and and the way that uh the arc of strange's respect, you know all of these adult guys in this film all inform Peter in these different ways um mm-hmm. it's so so classically spider-man and
0: because they yeah. are afflicted and it's kind of like the same thing you see with like batman where one of my what, what i love about batman in terms of like one of my favorite episodes is on leather wings because he does help mm. um kirk langstrom become human again he doesn't just go yeah. you're going to jail <laughs> That's it. <laughs> he generally tries to help him and that's what i always loved about that version and yeah. I think that's why I love about Spider-Man is that, and especially in the comics, especially with the lizard, like, he goes off to help him. Because mm-hmm. he, they are victims too. They're not just the villains in their own twisted way. And I think it's very beautiful and interesting that even though Goblin does kill Aunt May and does all this terrible stuff, they help him. At yeah. The yeah. End. And they help all of them. And I think, like you were saying what's good about this is that we get to see these villains be the de facto MCU versions now Mm -hmm. as well as the other ones which for what, for for Sony it's a coup because now we know that when they, the Disney Plus deal went through and they're going to put the Spider-Man Amazing Spider-Man films on Disney Plus, you could easily just throw that with the MCU logo. Oh yeah. And be like, it's a tense, gentle universe. Mm -hmm. And, And from a storytelling perspective, you don't need to do a new origin story about electro
4: exactly you don't
0: need to do it you have it open to do the spot um mm-hmm. i like i know alden gave much better villains than that but i'm still demanding we get a spot <laughs> the <laughs> spot would
5: be the spot would be dope as hell on screen would like, it would just be great like just that yeah that's... i mean we got a taste of it i mean the this peter versus strange chase mm-hmm. fight um is again every mcu director you have to respect what came before so like what scott derrickson established with the, the physics of strange and the methodology of strange carries through and but but still you get uh john watts's creative spin which is okay but what would peter parker think in a fight like this mm-hmm. and i love that moment. using the using the geometry yeah it was a really so, really yeah. well done moment and so thinking about how you can incorporate things like spot with with that's sort of, how you could incorporate big wheel we all want to see big wheel mm-hmm. um <laughs> Half joking. Uh, but I'm not joking.
4: You are talking my language.
5: Stilt, stilt Man is canon in the Netflix world. Don't forget Dude, about it. I'm that. just
4: saying, look, if if, if if we can have a suicide squad movie with Polka Dot Man, Arms Fall Off Boy, like even though they call him Tidicki, whatever. Like if you can make that movie, we can make we can have the similar equivalents in the Marvel universe. It can happen. That's where we're
0: true. I believe Frog frogman
4: Dude, I like the way I'm still like, they talking about Nexus of Realities. I'm talking about where is Marvelous Giant Size Man thing? Like, come on, man. Like, I I need to see this weird cosmic (laughs) shit. That is my. I'll never forget the first time I went into my old comic shop when I was a little kid and I ended up working there. And there was just a sign, a sticker on the till, and it said Marvel's Giant Size Man thing. And I was just like, wow, that's a comic. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and I love Swamp Thing, so obviously I actually also love Man Thing. But I'm like, let's do it, baby. You want to open up the multiverse? Let's bring the weirdest characters in. We're
1: doing it all now. Like, part of me just hopes that that's what the Moon Knight show is. Oh my god, I would be so happy. It's just would make so much sense the Marvel universe. Marvel
4: hire Ash. Ash knows what to do. That is, (laughs) (laughs) it's like a monster (laughs) of the week, but every monster is just like a weird superhero or (laughs) supervillain.
0: Call oh, blimey guff it's me man oh, thing don't
4: even get me started on the fucking oi mister you my dad accent like I am
0: pissed. I am pissed
4: about it I don't want to talk about it I don't want to watch it
5: right then you see I'm a moon oh, God. consider yourself
0: upon the defenders this, like, is
4: this, is, is, is this <laughs> <sitcom> <laughs> like, please? please help me um, oh my god guys I could actually talk to you about this stuff all day but I do actually have to go and I'm so sad because I could just oh. keep talking to you about it. But I realise that I do have to Because I have to finish my work. And I
5: realise wow. it's a half day. so A job?
4: I know, imagine that.
0: <laughs> how dare. You.
4: How dare. Uh,
0: the audacity. How,
4: how dare we have a
0: job. So, shall we wrap up uh, what we have to do quickly? Yeah, um, yeah go for it. Cool. Um, so... Let's wrap up. We've talked a lot about the villains and the, the concept of themes. And I, I swear to God, we could talk about this for like 20 literally, minutes.
4: it could be like a 24 hour long podcast. There's so much. Yeah, to no, this movie. for sure.
0: And yeah. we will, we'll, I'll say this we'll get us all back at some point to mm-hmm. do like or we'll wrap up. Maybe we'll do another show that's going to come out. But yeah. let's talk quickly about the final suit, which I just, uh, I know we talked about it briefly, it's but it's so beautiful. Just that, it, I felt like I was possessed by John Romita Sr. <laughs> um i was taken to heaven <laughs> like my, my two favorite artists are John Romita Senior and John Romita Junior because that's the artist I grew up with um so I was just so happy to see that suit and the blue and everything
4: uh, I I thought when I I kind of knew where they were going when they went into the apartment right and mm-hmm. but I didn't think I thought at best we would just get that little sewing machine shot. With the mm-hmm. bright blue and the red. So when we actually got to see him, I mean that just makes you feel like a kid. They I yeah. I, I hate that they can still manipulate me emotionally this way, but they can. The shiny bright <laughs> blue with the red and the pants and, and the, the thick black drawn on webbing. I mean it's it's beautiful. It's it's and magical.
0: I, I've zoomed in on the HD images now, just to make sure. <laughs> and it's definitely what I think is really beautiful as well. It's a nod to both Maguire and Garfield because mm-hmm. the back is the mm-hmm. is the classic comic yep. uh red spider, which is what Garfield had. And the front is the MCU design spider, if that makes sense. You no, know, like it's like broken up yeah, a little square bit. But the legs are longer like Maguire's.
4: I love that. That that a hundred percent makes sense because it definitely gave me the feeling of like of course he would be inspired by them when he put uh, on yeah, the I'm just suit.
0: I'm just so yeah. happy. Uh but that's all we've got time for this week. Let's wrap up. Uh, Rosie, where can people find you and your content?
4: Uh, Hello, you can find me. uh, I only have Instagram. I don't have any other social media. Uh, I'm Rosie Marks there with an X. Um, If you like this kind of stuff and you want to hear more about theories, I wrote a ton of stuff over at Nerdist about Spider-Man Away Home, about Hawkeye, all those kind of things. I do weekly Easter egg roundups for all the Disney Plus shows where I have a lot of fun getting really deep into that. Uh, And I'm all over different kinds. IGN, all kinds of different places. And also I have, I do another podcast as well called X-Ray Vision that I co-host. Um, and yeah, so all of those places and here as well, hopefully more soon.
0: Perfect. Don't forget to subscribe and check out all of Rosie's stuff. What about you, Alden?
5: Uh, yeah, you can find me. I've just returned to Twitter with a new account. i uh, starting for, I too, I'm starting fresh. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> at that Alden Diaz, A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z. Uh, And that's also now the Instagram handle. I changed them so we could have some consistency across platforms. Uh, You can find me on Octo radio, the star Wars podcast, which is sort of developed into a little network. There's three shows there. One is a rebels rewatch, which is ongoing. And then the other hosted by the wonderful and delightful Tori Fox Mm -hmm. is coming back for her next season, which is going to be our book of Boba Fett coverage. Um, So that's going to be coming up as well. I'm also on the one and done film club where we analyze your favorite franchises uh, by choosing one film to stand for the entire franchise as sort of the the encapsulation, and then we do a commentary on that movie. Uh, I also work for iHeartRadio, uh, so if you're listening in Florida and you like '90s music, uh, I produce the '90s station, the first '90s <laughs> station that that we've had. So um, that's exciting if you like Nirvana, Britney Spears, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm all over the internet complaining, doing my <laughs> thing. <laughs>
0: Perfect.
1: Uh, Ash? Uh, yeah, you can find me out on Twitter at Ash Jeffies, or you can check out my uh, other podcasts because I do too many things. Um, <laughs> uh, Rogue Rogue Padron, which is a Star Wars book club podcast, and OS Team, which is a podcast about video game music. So if either of those things interest you, you can find them all on my Twitter.
0: Perfect. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CMWASHBY, and on Instagram at charliemwashby. I host the Imperial Snip Podcast, a quirky Star Wars podcast, which you can find on all podcasting platforms as well as on Twitter at Pod. And you can support me on Patreon and Ko-fi with links to those found on the link in my Twitter bio. We'll be back next week to discuss Episode 5 of Hawkeye and a very special guest. Uh, But until then, let's all make us Marvel. See ya!